Hill. My husband's name is Clint. Um, from Tulsa. So, yeah. And we're here. Okay. So we're going to talk about um, women living undefiled. So we're going to go ahead and get started with prayer. Jim, I thank you so much for seeing you, just in general, in this workshop that just brings um, people from all walks of life. Um, I just want to lift up this room, and um, specifically right now, um, just full of women that um, are seeking your heart and your way of life. And I pray that you are just using me um, right now to speak um, your words and just um, something that will Help us live life and and find life for you. Um, we love you. Amen. 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 Um, I'm going to be looking at my notes, and since we're trying to stay in this, I apologize. <laughs> okay. So as I was preparing for this, I was reading through Daniel, and um, as much as I wanted to identify with Daniel and his awesomeness, um, I didn't. I kind of went on the side of Nebuchadnezzar on more things, and I'll kind of explain that as we go, but it kind of sounds weird, and I know that, um, but we'll kind of look at Nebuchadnezzar a little bit um, today, as well as Daniel. Um, the three things, we're going to go through three things that I learned from Nebuchadnezzar, um, living, in, in, living a defiled life can create dangerous and out-of-control situations. Living a defiled life can cause me to live off of others' faith, and living a defiled life is a choice. So the first point, um, living a defiled, a defiled life is prideful, dangerous, and out of control. On the, other, on the flip side of that, living an undefiled life is secure, stable, and self-controlled. So we're going to start in Daniel 3. You kind of just set this up a little bit. Um, Daniel is in Babylon from Jerusalem. Um, he's been through the king's training, and I think Matthew did a great job kind of explaining that. Um, but Daniel's in a high position. He's now interpreting dreams, um, and he's trying to survive, along with his um, three friends, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So Nebuchadnezzar, on the other hand, has conquered the world, taken Jerusalem, and all of her belongings and having dreams of golden images. And he makes the golden images. Okay? Um, kind of a quote my daughter, if anybody knows my daughter, I was telling her one day in the car, look, you really need to like think about things before you say them. And her response was, Mom, I thought about it, then I said it. Yeah, it was something different, like disrespectful, and I was like, no, we don't need to do that. But I think Nebuchadnezzar kind of had that same attitude. I'm going to dream it up, and I'm going to make it. I'm going to make this huge um, golden image. Okay, so we're going to start in Daniel 3, um, verse 4. Um, the nations and people of every language, this is what I command you to do the end of verse 5, you must fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. So, kind of in the middle of the story, you know that they make it out of the furnace unharmed. Um, and this is kind of a way that Nebuchadnezzar was humble. Because um, later in chapter 4, in verse 28, we'll pick up. Praise 
be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command, willing to give their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I must agree with the people of nations and their language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego must be cut into pieces. Their houses be turned into piles of rubble, and no other God can save in this way. Um, have you ever said something to be true? Um, your life looked like that, your, or your actions, you were claiming something to be true, but then later in life, you kind of came to a better understanding of, the claim, of what you had claimed to be true. Oh, that's a lot of words. I hope you got that. Okay. Um, here's an example in my life of what I did exactly what Nebuchadnezzar did. Okay. Um, I thought and I spoke my life showed that going to parties, that was a way to seek true friendship and fulfillment. And everyone knew that I was up for a good time. There you go. When I went off to college, I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to be different. Because all of that was in high school. I'm going to be different. I'm going to do different things. However, my actions were still the same. I went to the same college that all of my high school people went to college. There's only 18 people in my graduating class, and I followed them to college. But I had, was like, man, I really want to be different than what I did in high school. Um, but my actions didn't show it. At the end of college, my first college that I went to, um, I was baptized. And I was so wanted to see how it was changing my life. After I was baptized, not too long after that, when I spent eight months in Italy with uh, my sister and her family, um, and God humbled me there. When I was 20 years old, my sister set me up a date with a military policeman who was stationed on the, the, the same base that my sister's husband was stationed at. We had pizza and watched a movie at his house, which should have been a huge red flag, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, he continued to drop hints to get me into his bed. But for the first time ever in my life, I looked at him and said, walk me to my car now. And he was like, what? And I'm sure I was smiling, like, here to here. Like, yes, I just did it. Because it's the first time in my life I ever did that. Um, so why not? We saw me ear to ear. He walked me to my car. He opened up my door, real gentleman. Let me in. And from that point on, when I was choosing to live an undescribed life, like I had in my past, and God humbled me through that situation. So being a small military base, everyone knew from that point, got around, I wasn't a girl to be messed with. But then I came back home to my hometown, and I still had that, that old reputation that I left with, that I was always up for a good time. So I remember sitting in my parents' house, I came back, I lived with my parents, I changed colleges, and I got a phone call from one of my old friends. And he said, hey, we're, we're driving by your house, we're in the country. We're drinking and driving, you want to join us? Really? And I just thought to myself, I, I used to do that. <laughs> Drinking and driving. Oh yeah, I'm down for it. Okay? And then, but then I said, no, no, I'm not going to do it this time. And then I live undefiled in America for the first time. And I had to repeatedly make those choices, okay, 
because I carry my own reputation. So God's humbled us through circumstances. So how do we get from that dangerous, out-of-controlled life and living an undefiled, secure, stable, and self-controlled life? Pride. It's a dangerous, dangerous mindset. But we have to keep in mind that it's not a circumstance. Joseph and his Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. He still didn't have the right to be prideful. Daniel, I thought Matthew did a really good job of kind of describing the things that Daniel had to go through. He was unjustifiably wronged, but he chose to be humble. By circumstances, we don't have the right to be prideful. And we continue to live defiled, like the situation that I was in in Italy. I could have ended up in his battle or worse, like it had already happened to me before. We are, we are dangerous and out of control when we, live under, when we live a defiled life. Being humble is a key, one of the keys, to living undefiled, a secure, stable, and self-controlled life. So are we willing to put away our pride to shine God's glory? C.S. Lewis describes pride as the great sin because it's so easy to be tempted with. So easy to fall into with phrases like, I deserve, or look what I did. It is easy to be caught in trouble. I think one way um, we can shine our pride or choose not to, and it has been difficult for me in the past, is through our testimony. Um, testimony alone is a powerful way to make God famous in the sphere of influence. Matt, we talked a little bit about the contact that we have with people. I think this is one of the first ways, or one of the ways that we can have contact with people and truly connect with people through our testimony. But like I said, this is something that I have struggled with in the past. When I tell my testimony, it's been a, um, it's not that I didn't want people to find out that I was a sinner, but I didn't want to tell it in a prideful way. Because I could tell it when I was in the world. I was sleeping around, I was using, doing drugs, drinking, staying drunk for my whole junior and senior year of high school. I stopped drinking when I was 18 and 21 because it was different. I've already been there, done that. But those were the popular activities in that world. And telling people that that are in the world, then that can come out prideful. I can bragging about all these things that I did in my life. And even if your story is way opposite of mine, way, way opposite of mine, okay, pride can still seep in. It can still happen. Nobody is safe from pride, whatever your story is. But we have to remember our greatest purpose in life is to shine God's glory. Next picture. I don't know if you can scoot it down, but I'll describe it just a bit. We went on a trip, and there's this huge cross on the side of the highway, and we've always meant to stop, and we got to stop about two weeks ago. And this is my son over here, but it has like a, the rosary, okay? It has all the kind of stages of statues of uh, Jesus' story, starting at Pilate, okay? He walks, you walk around, and you see all these statues. And my son, Asher, paused at this one, and it is a soldier putting the nail through Jesus' hand. And he walked around it several times. 
And I snapped this picture, and I didn't realize that I got him holding the hammer. It is one thing for me to realize that I was holding that hammer. I am holding that hammer. But when you see your son do it, they get you. Okay? So with our testimony, we have to start here. We have to tell it in a way. We have to begin here that we are sinners. In Romans 5.8 it says, that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, when we were still sinners and Christ died for us. Asher's precious little heart, I asked him, I said, what were you doing holding my hammer? I was trying to take it away. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, and I tried to explain, you know, well, this is it, but I was just like, man, that heart, that heart, and he wanted to take that hammer away. So our story has to start here when we're telling our testimony, when we're sharing our life with people, we're inviting people into our life. But we have to start here and realize that Christ died for us when we, we are still sinners. Pride has no room in an undefiled life for the most high God. David had no pride and his influence on Babylon is still impacting the world today. Our conference clearly shows that. We're still talking about it. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar also finishes his testimony with this. Go ahead and switch sides. It says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and honor the King of Heaven, for all of his works are, are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. I can talk about uh, the power that God has. And um, when we shine and when we begin our testimony, we begin our lives, and people know that we are sinners, and God has gone through and humbled us, just like he did Nebuchadnezzar, and we end up like this and say, this God, look at the power he has. He can humble us. Okay? And our influence is, has the purpose of shining God's glory and not ours. Next point, living a defiled life causes me to live off others' faith, but living an undefiled life causes me to make my faith my own. So living off others' faith is because we're insecure in our own faith. We seek security, don't we, as women? Yeah. We long for it. We the type of security that leads to being undefiled. For a long time, I lived off my parents' faith, my husband's faith. He had a degree in it, so since I wore the ring, then I did too. You know, that was my faith too. But that led me to insecurity. It led me to comparing myself to others, looking to my husband for the only fulfillment that I ever needed, or for my friends. And um, winning at a game, I'm very competitive, but it helps me with, with my security, feel secure for that moment because it was out of that power that I thought I had of winning a game. So Nebuchadnezzar continued by his actions, praised himself by making images, overcompensating for his insecurity, and we can do the same. We've already read Daniel 3.29, but just the first part of the, part of the phrase, it says, Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
At that point, it wasn't his dog. He was just kind of riding coattails and saying, oh, their God, their God is great. Praise him. You know, look to that God. He's, he's able to humble. The verse they looked at just earlier was when Nebuchadnezzar got done with being done with some company. Um, but it began with riding in hotels of Daniel and his friends. Not claiming, he was not claiming for God to be his own and seeking his fulfillment in his dreams and not the dream maker or the dream interpreter, not Daniel, but God's power that has shown through Daniel. Um, the last point, it's okay, this is going to be really short. <laughs> By living both an undefiled life and an undefiled life is a choice. They're both a choice. Um, either way takes determination. Um, I was determined, determined to live my life defiled for a long time. And it takes work to make excuses. It takes work to make up things. Oh, I can't be at that. I can't be at this. Okay. Or I can't do this. I can't do that. Um, that makes it, it's determination on our part. But that left me insecure, alone, and selfish. Nebuchadnezzar was also determined to live a defiled life, to leave him, and that led him away from people. In Daniel 4.33, it says, Away from people, eating grass like an ox, drenched from the elements, hair like feathers of an eagle, and nails like claws of a bird. Loneliness for years, longing long enough to grow hair like an eagle and claws like a bird. That's a long time. And that type of life, and that's where it led uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Um, and that impact lasted for years. Um, later, in Daniel 5.22, Daniel's interpreting dreams for Nebuchadnezzar's son. And he, Daniel like, pleads with him, you know your father's story. You still have humbled yourself. You still have not humbled yourself. You drink wine, you have women, you praise other gods, but you do not honor the God who holds in his hand your life in all your ways. So the fire of life was passed on. That mindset of pride, the determination to live a, a defiled life was passed on to his son. But Daniel, he was determined at the first to live an undefiled life. His circumstances weren't easy. He was in a different culture, new, new to everything, but he thrived. He was determined from the start, starting in Daniel 1.8. But Daniel resolved, or he was determined not to defile himself with royal food and wine, and asked the chief of officials and permission not to defile himself in this way. Each time that Daniel showed the determination to live a defiled life, even in the little things, like food choices, I think in today's culture we think, well, that's a little thing. You know, that was probably a pretty big thing to Daniel. But down to just at first, the food choices, the way that Daniel carried out prayer in his life, up to the big things, interpreting dreams, facing lions, 
God's glory was shown to the others that were around Daniel every time that he was determined through a different difficult situation. So we can be determined to live an undefiled life, or we can be determined to live a defiled life. Kind of wrapping up, living an undefiled life is way harder, but also way more rewarding. Living a defiled life is cheap and easy, and it will be leading you to feel cheap and easy. Exactly that. So living undefiled is secure, stable, and self-control. Causes me to have my own faith and not living it for others. And it's a choice. It's a hard one, but it's worth it every step of the way. That's it. Dear God, thank you so much again for these ladies in this room um, and just an opportunity um, to come here, just practical ways to, through Daniel, to live our life. And uh, I just pray as we um, leave from this day through tomorrow or Sunday uh, that we are better leaders and disciples and disciple makers. And we love you. Amen.